I want to begin this morning by dealing with a point that's concerning the authority of the scriptures. In fact, the word authority comes from the word author. And the reason I, I want to begin there is because over the years, our particular, if you will, our, our culture has tried its best to downgrade what the scriptures have to say concerning the glory and the wonder that we celebrate as, as Christmas. So with that being said, I want you to turn quickly to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. All the Awana children, the clubbers, should have this verse memorized by now. It's the key verse. It's one of the key verses. 2 Timothy 2.15 and then 2 Timothy 3.15. And the passage says this. For, for all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped. The authority of the scriptures rests in its author. And that verse tells us who the author is. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. In reality, what's amazing, that word inspiration means God breathed. And that word breathed there, if you do the epitomology of that particular word, you will find out that it's also used of the breath of God who is Holy Spirit. And so what you have is you have God the Father inspiring or working through God the Spirit in order to highlight God the Son. And that's the dynamic of Luke chapter 2. As Luke chapter 2 begins, we're faced with Two situations. The situation that Luke chapter 2 begins with, it describes the condition of man. And then it tells what God did about it. Chuck Swindoll wrote a long paragraph concerning if we needed wisdom, God would have sent someone. If we needed engineering, if we needed a building, he would have sent an engineer. If we needed a correctness of illness, God would have sent us a physician. But our problem wasn't that. Our problem was sin. That's why God sent forth 
his son. And the world struggles with that because, well, number one, they don't recognize that there is God. And number two, the virgin birth messes them all up. They can't comprehend. And I have to tell you something as I stand before you here this morning. There are times that I don't comprehend it all either. I don't. I don't know how it was that when God spoke to Mary in Luke chapter 1 and told her what was going to happen, this new creative act that was going to happen to her was through the power of the Holy Spirit. And she's going to conceive and bring forth the Son of God and His name will be great. He'll be called Son of the Highest and of His kingdom there'll be no end and He's going to rule on His father David's throne for everlasting. And chapter 2 is the fulfillment of what God said because... We needed a savior. The second thing about Luke chapter 2 is this. Is this my favorite passage? It's my favorite passage because it deals with us. It deals with us. We have no idea what Joseph and Mary went through. But I'll guarantee you we've got every understanding of what the shepherds went through. And we'll get to that. But this morning, I want to have us take a look at the text as it deals with a piece of God's power. Not a piece of pie, but a P-E-A-C-E. That even in the demonstration of God's mighty power, there's peace. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2, please. We're going to read the first 20 verses. I love that clock back there. It's 20 minutes slow. And you hate that clock back there because it's 20 minutes slow. A preacher was about to preach and he took off his watch. And he listened to it, and he put it down in front of him on the pulpit. And there was a little boy that leaned over to his dad and said, Dad, why does the pastor do that? And his dad said, has nothing to do with it, son. Just leave it alone. I've got a lot of time. That's why I wanted to preach after the choir number, because you're all jacked up, ready to go. And I just want to jack you up more through this passage. When we talk about the peace of God's power, we're referring to what the theologians call or refer to his omnipotence, meaning all-powerful. And throughout Scripture, his name is displayed as being all-powerful in a number of passages. In Genesis chapter 1, his name Elohim, which is the plural of El, meaning God, but Elohim meaning the powerful one, the all-creator. 
In Genesis chapter 17, when God comes back to Abram again and, and reiterates, it will, or signifies that he is going to establish with Abram a, a, a new nation. And it's in chapter 17 that Abram's name is changed to Abraham. Sarai's name is changed to Sarah because God's about to do some changing. And and as God introduces himself to Abram, who will be Abraham, he was referred to as El Shaddai, the Almighty One. In other words, Abram and Sarai, don't worry. I'm about to intersect stuff here, and I'm going to mess everybody up. And it's going to begin by me changing your names. Sarah and Abraham. Abraham being the one that God said to him, look to the stars. For the number of the stars there, so shall your seed be. And it's from your seed, Abraham, that the nations will be blessed. And Abraham and Sarai had Isaac. And Isaac had two sons. And from those, the one son came the 12 tribes of Israel. And thus it began. Another demonstration of God's power is is for us in the scriptures is in Genesis chapter 14. God parted the Red Sea. I'd have liked to have seen that. I'd have liked to have seen the walls of water. and, And see the fish swim up to that. And you could see them. But they're not coming through the water. They're just staying there. And the walls are staying there. And. And they went through into dry ground. In Genesis chapter 16, God feeds a nation, gives them manna from heaven. So wonderful the name manna is. What is it? That's, they never saw it before. Wafers of wonderful food that they could be sustained on. In, in Genesis chapter 19, God is so powerful that he surrounded Mount Sinai with his presence. That no one could see him. And then ultimately in Joshua chapter 3. God brings the nation of Israel into the promised land. All power. The power of God is described in the books of of, of the book of of Psalms. Psalm chapter 8, Psalm chapter 18, Psalm chapter 24. You read them for yourself in those particular Psalms and many more. God is determined and he is described as the creator of all the universe. He's the mighty creator. And the power of God is qualified in that he can do those things which are proper objects of his power. In fact, thus God can't do anything that's logically absurd. He can't make square circles. He cannot make a a stone too big that not even he can lift. He can't do that. And it's all because of his name and of who he is and his character. He always chooses that which is right. He always knows what to do. In that moment. And he's the one who can perform it. He's all powerful. And and when we come to Luke chapter 2. 
we see on display this wonderful, powerful. In fact, I've described it for you, if you will, that it's first is determined by the birth of Christ. Next, it is declared by the angel, angelic host. And lastly, it is demonstrated by the life change of the shepherds. Let's begin by reading our passage. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered or taxed. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, that the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, who is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. By the way, that's the name of the shepherd. Just thought you want to know. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the sayings which were told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at these things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. In this passage, in the first seven verses, we have what we call God's power is first determined by the birth of of Jesus Christ. Three things I want you to see in these verses concerning God's power. First of all, the event. The event. The timing of the event. It's just amazing. Luke is a physician, and he's very detailed in his writings. And as you go through the Gospel of Luke, you will find out that he highlights specific details. And when he says that Jesus, when a decree that went out from Caesar Augustus, he is referring to a Caesar who at the time reigned from 
27 B.C. to at least 14 A.D., Caesar was on the sea. And we also know that in, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, that Herod was on the scene. Herod was the king of that region, the king of Judea. And he also is, is told that he, he reigned from a time of whose, whose reign ended in right around 4 B.C. So Jesus Christ... The detail of it is so specific that they've been able to highlight the fact that Jesus was born right around 3 B.C. Now when you figure that out, Jesus ministered here on this earth for 33 and a half years. And you go back to Old Testament then you'll find out that the age of a high priest, in order to minister to the people, he had to be 30 years old before he could begin. So Jesus ministered as a high priest for three and a half years. That's amazing. That God so determined that Jesus would be born at the right time, that Paul declares it in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, when he says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a virgin, born, if you will, under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. If you go back and trace the history of the Roman Empire, you will find out that they were masters at buildings of roads and buildings of buildings. It was to be a time of peace upon this earth. It was to be a time of protection. It was also to be a time of tax and census. And so God moved in a time frame of history in order to accomplish the event of his power. But even in that, you see that God uses individuals in a very powerful way in order to accomplish his plan. The second thing I want you to see here is this. Notice the place. The place of the event. It's in Bethlehem. And Joseph, being of the house of David, the lineage, you can trace that in Matthew chapter 1, that he comes from a kingly line. And so Joseph had to go to the city of David, which is Bethlehem. Now that's not new to Joseph because he's described as being a righteous man. In other words... He knows the scriptures. He's been taught the law. He knows what the prophecies have to say. And so when he's told to go to Bethlehem, 
Everyone thinks he's going to be counted and to be taxed. But he's going because that's the destined place of God. Because in Micah chapter 4, I'm sorry, Micah chapter 5, Micah writes this, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you were little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel. Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. And he used a king in order to make that happen at the right time because the text tells us that Mary's just about to have the baby. And Joseph was not about to leave Mary alone in Nazareth. He took her with him in order to protect her, in order to be there at the birth of this child whom even Joseph knew was going to be majestic. Now you ought to stop there and be be considering a couple of things from this passage already. Is that when you look back in your life and you recognize how things have worked out, And you stop and you take inventory of what has happened. You come to the conclusion of this, that God really knows what he's doing. And he's done things in a powerful way that you could never even begin to imagine. When we left Lancaster back in 1987 to go to Portland, Oregon, we arrived in Chicago during rush hour. You got to be insane to be doing that. But we were driving a van with a U-Haul trailer. And we were coming up to a toll booth that said trucks only. Our booth is over there. And so Nancy said, what do we do? I said, we go over there. And as we were going, this is how great God is. He had a tractor trailer in each one of the lanes that we needed to get to, and they stopped and let us go through. That's God's stuff. Those tractor trailers, they didn't know who we were, they had no idea where we were going. All they knew is that God said, stop and let this family get through. And when Mary and Joseph left Nazareth to get to Bethlehem, God was saying, stop. This family's got to get through. Why? Well, that leaves us with the wonder of the event. And the wonder of the event is this. Mary brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger. From this particular event, I want to share with you three very specific wonders. First of all, the swaddling clothes that was wrapped, that Jesus was wrapped in, had two purposes. First, For the keeping of the limbs of the baby protected and also straight and unharmed. 
And it was also to be for the purpose of a sign for the shepherds that they didn't know yet were coming. Has God ever done that in your life? Given you something that you wonder how in the world are you going to use this God? God can take simple strips of cloth and bring shepherds from a field. God can put a light on the butt of a bug. And we call it a lightning bug. And you see them at night. Oh, how powerful our God is. That he can use strips of cloth to be a sign to shepherds who are yet to come. Oh, what God can do for you. The next thing that's this wonder is notice that the place where the baby was laid in a manger. And the reason being, the text tells us, because there's no room for them in the inn. We think that's horrific. But think about it. The, the inns back at that time were not like our modern day hotels. When people say, do you like camping, Pastor Doug? I said, my, my, my level of camping is Hotel 6. I'm not sleeping on ground. Sometimes the mattresses in those places feel like it, but I'm not sleeping on the ground. But back then, a whole, an inn would have necessarily been someone's home that they would rent out rooms for their guests. There's no privacy there. Mary's going to have a child. Ladies, let me ask you a question. Who do you want in the room with you? When you're having a child. You don't want hundreds of people in there. And believe me, those hundreds of people don't want to be in there. I've heard expectant mothers say, if you ever do this to me again, I'm going to kill you. As they're talking to their husbands. Whew. But God wanted to protect Mary and Joseph give them privacy. And he provided for them a place. A place of privacy, a place of protection. That was just them. And a newborn baby. And the next thing is this. The most wonderful thing is this. God came to earth. Now, you've got to stop and ponder that. You, you can't move from that too quickly. Because when you begin to ponder what happened in these events, then you've got to begin to struggle with the fact that God, who was not held by space or time, entered into a space and time. One who needs nobody needed a mother to take care of him. One who created life all of a sudden became life. 
One who had no beginning. He always was, always will be. All of a sudden had a beginning. Then here's the thing that blows my mind that I cannot yet figure out. And I've not yet seen an article written on it. That even as Jesus is on the earth, the second person of the triune Godhead, in fact it was Paul who said in the book of Colossians chapter 2, that in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Well, if that's the case, then someone help me figure out the fact that God didn't weaken when he was in heaven. When part of the triune Godhead came here to earth, that did not weaken heaven at all. Now I'm really going to blow you up. It's this. That even while Jesus was on this earth, he was still part of the Godhead in heaven. You can't figure it out and neither can I. All I know, that's the power of God. That only God can do. It's detailed by the birth of the Savior. It's declared by the angelic hosts. In verses 8 through 14, an angel shows up. We're not told his name. That's okay. But as we said before, sometimes God uses angels to announce things to human race. An angel showed up to shepherds. Now what's interesting about these shepherds is this. Is that they weren't welcome in town during the day. Some people say the reason is because they didn't smell too good. I, I don't know about that. But I know that their class of life was considered to be at the bottom of the socioeconomic barometer. They were not allowed to be in town during the day. They were to live by night. Did you catch that? When did the angel show up? At night. God is so detailed in his power that even in the employment of shepherds, God meets them. It's not by chance. This whole chapter oozes with the design of God and what he can do and what he will do. The angel appears to the shepherds and scares them half to death. I would imagine that would be true of all of us too. The, the word here in, in the English it says, it says that they were greatly afraid. Let me give you the illustration of really what it means in the Greek. They wanted to die. They were terrified. Beyond. I, I'm sure their hearts skipped I'm sure that they, their mind wanted to shut down. But the angel comforted them by saying, Fear not. For I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to how many people? 
all people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David, the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. This is how you are going to be able to recognize this baby. He's in a manger. And he's wrapped with swaddling clothes. Hmm. Wasn't that something that God did before that? He prepared the way. (laughs) Think of it how you came to know Jesus Christ. God prepared the way. So that you became confronted that you needed a savior. And aren't you glad that God provided a savior that could meet the needs of the whole world? For unto you is born this day. You. Me. The whole world. It's something that Jesus reiterated to Nicodemus later on in his ministry when he said that God so loved the world. My daddy so loved you, Nicodemus, that he sent me. But what's amazing about these shepherds is this. They would be in charge of the lambs that would be used for the Passover feast. For the sacrifice of sin. And they were guarding them. You want to know something else too? Is that during the time when a lamb was born. It would first be inspected by the shepherd. And then that lamb would be wrapped. In order to protect it. From briars. From injury. Because it had to be pure, holy, no blemish. And so when the angel said to them, the the child you'll be looking for is wrapped in swaddling clothes, the shepherds knew the importance of that child. John reiterated this later As Jesus began his earthly ministry, for he says in John chapter 1 and verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's the one. The shepherds, they go. And they see this child that is born. And what's amazing about that. Is that then there was an angelic choir. I doubt they sang any better than we did this morning, Miss Miss Renee. I just want to let you know. And in fact, I'll guarantee you they didn't sing this morning because in glory, when God's children sing, he says to the angels, be quiet. Because we're singing a song of redemption and they have no idea what that means. We've been saved through the blood of the Lamb. And all of heaven choirs got to be still on this day as God's people begin to sing. But this angelic choir showed up 
And they began to sing. Notice what they had to say. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill to men. Now, don't move too quickly from that. Because there's the demonstration of the power of God. That in heaven, there's glory. And on earth, there's glory through peace and goodwill to men. This peace that the angels are singing about is not about tranquility on a nice Christmas Eve evening. It's in reference to a peace that can only come through Jesus Christ. Because through him, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5, verse 1. And because we have peace with God, we can have the peace of God that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's that kind of peace. It's that kind of peace that really got to the heart of the shepherds because they left their sheep. And they went to see this baby. The magnificence of that is this, dear people, is that who the world said is no good, God said, come unto me. They went and saw the king of kings. In fact, they were the very first ones who got to be introduced to this peace that lies in a manger. And it changed them. In fact, so wonderfully is it God's power is demonstrated in the shepherd's message. It messed them up. They couldn't stop talking about it. In fact, they told everybody everything that happened. And it says that the people were amazed. Can I ask you a question? Are people amazed about God when you speak? Hmm. We've got the greatest story to tell. We've got the greatest God there is. We have the most wonderful situation that we are the children of God and we ought not to be silent about that. Because there's a whole lot of people out there that need to know about Jesus Christ. I want to draw three conclusions from this particular passage and it's this. How glorious is the truth of the coming of God to this earth. He came. He came and dwelt among us, John says. 
and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. 1 John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. And this is the message that we give to you, that in him is no darkness, no darkness at all. That's the power of God. And the second thing is this. That some of the greatest displays of the power of God are not necessarily found in creation. But it can be found in how he changes the hearts of mankind. He can take that individual whom the world says is nothing and yet Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 down through verse 29, that he takes the weak things to confound the strong. He takes the foolish things of this world to bring down the wise. He takes those things that mankind doesn't want and he uses them for his honor and glory. God's power can take my heart and your heart and change it so that we become children of God all by faith through his grace. And the last thing is this. There's a piece of the power in God in which we can rest and trust in his work as he works in our lives because of how great our God really is. What a great passage. What a wonderful display of the power of God. I'm supposed to still have 18 minutes. But my watch says no, and so does my wife. Rick is going to come and lead us in the next two songs to sing, and, and we'll close the service off with that. But this morning, please don't, don't just read Luke chapter 2 in a very hurried moment. Stop and visit and think about a piece of God's power and what he can do and what he will do for his honor and glory. Amen.